Do you know what the scariest thing is? To not know your place in this world. To not know why you're here. That's... It's just an awful feeling. Welcome to another edition of Career Callings. I'm your host, Robbie Romeiser, and at Career Callings, our purpose is to help people avoid the financial and emotional pain of a bad career decision by helping them find, prepare for, and pursue the work God created them to do. You can join us today by phone, text, or email, phone or text at 864-381-7649. That's 864-381-7649, or by email at Robbie at careercallings.net. That's R-O-B-B-I-E at careercallings.net. Maestro. Yes. What do you think about Nehemiah in the Bible? Well, he was uh, very good at building stuff. (laughs) (laughs) He had a plan. That is what one of my college professors would call a firm grasp of the obvious. <laughs> he, he was really he, good at building stuff. He, yeah. he had a plan. He had a plan. And he executed it. Okay, you know, that's that's a pretty safe response to that question. But you are very, very right. Uh, anything else you'd like to share? Oh, I think that about covers it. <laughs> well, I have, I have for several years now found Nehemiah to be one of the most fascinating people in the Bible at least in my opinion. I think many others share that opinion as well, including the late Dr. Bob Jones Jr. Uh, a couple, three years ago, I was playing around with a, a an app that I have on my iPhone called Sermon Audio. Now, there's a website by that same name, and uh, Maestro shaking his head there, so he's familiar with it as well. Many of you listening may be familiar with it as well, uh, but I stumbled upon a sermon that he... Uh, preached to the students at Bob Jones University back on September 26th, Sunday morning, September 26th, 1954, and it was about Nehemiah. And the reason I think it spoke to me so much is because the the, the whole idea behind the sermon was you, how Nehemiah basically got his call from God. And this entire show is about career callings. So I thought it was instructive to listen to him <clears throat> on how he... I, I, how would I say this, how he dissected the book of Nehemiah to show the principles behind which, or the principles with which, or maybe I should say it this way, the procedures with which God will use to to call someone to a particular work. And uh, not long ago, I, uh, I I took that sermon and added some of my own uh, take on, on the reading of the book of Nehemiah and taught uh, this lesson to my Sunday school class at, at church. And I thought it would be a great conversation to have here on the radio because of the the applicability to what we do at Career Calling. So just kind of sharing, uh, starting with that, the, uh, the, the, the premise of this conversation is that, yes, indeed, God follows a particular pattern 
uh, or set of principles that he uses time and time again to call people to a particular work. And in the book of Nehemiah, that, that call first begins with a burden a burden for some type of work. Now, if you're not real familiar with the story of Nehemiah, basically Nehemiah was one of the Israelites in the Babylonian captivity, and uh, not long after uh, uh, Persia or the Medes and Persians conquered the the Babylonians, ne- uh, Nehemiah was still there in that, in that world, and he was actually the cupbearer of the king. And he was, as the cupbearer of the king, in a position of great authority, of great trust, because basically what the cupbearer did was prepare the wine for the, the, uh, the king and also partake or partook of the wine to make sure it wasn't poisoned. So this guy, Nehemiah's job was to make sure his king wasn't going to be poisoned. And through that uh, pursuit of that position and the, the rapport he had built up with the king, he obviously had a position of power, prominence, and trust that very few people in that day actually enjoyed. Well, at, at one point, uh, and the Bible says in Nehemiah 1.1, it was the month Chislu. Now, I did some research. The month Chislu is kind of kind of falls between our mid-November and mid-December on our calendar. I understand that there's some fluctuation in that from year to year, but roughly that's what month this next thing occurred. In that month of Chislu, uh, Hanani, which was a a relative of Nehemiah's, came along and had just visited Jerusalem, and Nehemiah asked the question, you know, what's going on there? And he told Nehemiah that things were awful in Jerusalem. There was persecution, the walls were broken down, the gates were burned, and that gave Nehemiah a tremendous burden for his people. And his immediate emotional reaction was one of sadness. And the Bible teaches us in, in the first book of Nehemiah that Nehemiah's first reaction was to, to mourn. He fasted, he prayed for several days, and he had at that moment a burden that was started by or with an emotional reaction to a particular need. So that is clue number one. When you're looking for your career calling, clue number one is where do you see a need that the Lord has put a huge burden on you to fulfill? Now, let me, let me differentiate between burden and opportunity or, or burden and just simply identifying a need. I think any of us, most of us, could see a particular need that some other group of people may have, and we might even see a way to fulfill that need. Every business that's ever been created was created because some entrepreneur saw a need in the marketplace that someone w- that needed to have fulfilled, and there was either not a product or a service to fulfill that, so the entrepreneur created a business to fulfill that need. Well, it's not hard to spot opportunity. What I'm talking about here is not spotting a simple opportunity for fulfilling a need. I'm talking about a burden. Now, how do I differentiate between the two? All right, that takes me to my next step. It was the month Chislu, as I just mentioned, where Nehemiah had the emotional reaction to the news that Jerusalem was in bad shape. But that emotional reaction didn't go away. It stayed with Nehemiah for months and months and months and continued to burden him regularly. Now, this is something I didn't realize until I was preparing for my Sunday school lesson. I always was under the impression that the time difference between chapter 1 of Nehemiah and chapter 2 of Nehemiah was just a matter of maybe hours or days. Because in chapter 1, you read, he heard about the bad news. He had an emotional reaction to that bad news. Chapter 2, he's talking to the king about wanting to go to fix things. But if you read chapter 2, verse 1, 
it says that it was in the month Nisan. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, N-I-S-A-N is how you spell it. I want to say Nissan, <laughs> the car. But Nissan, I believe, is how you actually pronounce it. And I did a little bit of research on what time of year that was. The month of Nissan kind of fluctuates between our uh, mid-March and mid-May, depending on which source you look at. I'm going to go with mid-April to mid-May. But even if you go from mid-March to mid-May, you're talking about a time lapse from roughly anywhere between four and five months between the time Nehemiah heard about the bad news in Jerusalem and had his initial emotional burden with that to the time he actually stood before the king and said, I want to go fix stuff. So this was not an overnight thing. This was a burden that began with a strong emotional reaction, but it never went away. The need, the, the desire to do something or to, to deal with that particular issue lasted with Nehemiah for months and months. And if you read chapters 1 and 2 of Nehemiah, Nehemiah prayed throughout that entire time for four to five months. Four to five months of what's, you know, what's, uh, what, what, what can, you know, what can the Lord do about that? And during that time, no doubt that that uh, the Lord laid upon Nehemiah the call, and that's one of the key clues that the Book of Nehemiah teaches us: is how does someone identify their career calling? Well, it starts with a burden, and then the burden is followed by a call. Uh, Nehemiah, if he had just had a, uh, how do I say this, a uh, temporary, casual response. You know, sometimes people will tell you about a need. Hey, could you pray for my, you know, whatever, because this person has a need. You might, you know, you'll you'll be agreeable to praying for them, but you won't be emotionally necessarily connected to that need. If that had been how Nehemiah had responded to Jerusalem, that would not have been a burden. That would have just been a need he needed to pray about. But with that burden lasting for months, and it grew and grew and grew, at some point, the Lord laid on his heart, to actually act upon that, and that's the call. Uh, let me let me illustrate it this way, and this comes straight out of Dr. Bob's sermon. He said, look, imagine that you're sitting in your recliner, and the window is open in your living room, and it's raining outside, and the wind is blowing the rain in. You see the need, and if you weren't emotionally attached to that need, you might be prompted to pray this way, Dear Lord, please send someone to close the window and you're just sitting in your recliner 10 feet away, and you're not getting up and doing it. But now, if the Lord has given you a burden and a call, he's probably going to say, well, you see the need, and I've given you the burden, you get up and go close the window. And so another clue to being able to identify your career calling is the Lord has given you a burden for something that will not go away. And you might even tell the Lord, stop bothering me about that, but he won't. And then at some point during that time frame, while he's continually pounding you with the burden to do something about that, he's eventually going to ask you to do something about it. That's how missionaries get called mission field. That's how uh, Christian businessmen and businesswomen end up creating a business that they believe is exactly what the Lord wants them to pursue uh, in that respect. So the, first comes the burden, then comes the call. And no one's going to be called by God to a work until first the Lord gives them a burden for that work, just like he gave Nehemiah a burden for the repair of Jerusalem. So first comes the burden, then comes the call. And then after the call, next lesson that the Bible teaches us through the book of Nehemiah in regards to pursuing a calling from God 
is actually engaging in the work. Now, the first step in engaging in the work God has given you to do is seizing the opportunity. Now, unfortunately, a lot of times what we do in seizing an opportunity is just kind of react. We're not really preparing ahead of time for an opportunity. What do I mean by that? Well, if you look at the book of Nehemiah, as I mentioned, the the burden began in, say, November to December. The actual opportunity to talk to the king didn't occur until four to five months later, depending on how you read the calendar. During that four to five month interim time, what was Nehemiah doing? Well, he was praying constantly, fasting sometimes, praying constantly for the Lord to give him an opportunity to share the burden with the king and do something about it. So preparation is something that must come as you get ready to seize the opportunity. And we'll talk more about how to, uh, the lessons from Nehemiah guide us towards our career calling in just a few moments. Come on back. Well, I'm here with Rudy with Geek Out Games talking about Teach Me Morpheus. And Rudy, tell me a little bit about how you see Teach Me Morpheus benefiting your business. Well, one of the things that we sell at, at, at Geek Out Games are very complicated strategy games. And part of what we can do for our customers is put together videos to help them really dig into the meat of some of these complicated games. So we see Teach Me Morpheus as helping our customers learn how to get more bang out of their buck for their game, while the store can also benefit by cashing in on the revenue stream from those newer players. Help your customers make money for your organization. That's what TeachMeMorpheus.com, a new online learning platform, can do for your business or nonprofit. To learn more, check out TeachMeMorpheus.com, referral code HISRADIO. That's TeachMeMorpheus.com, referral code HISRADIO. It was my choice, his choice, their choice, our choice. I felt I had no other choice. Afterward, there was only sorrow and regret. I felt there was no hope. Where could I turn? Who would understand? Then I heard there was a safe place where I could share my grief, guilt, pain, and find recovery. Call Abortion Recovery Assistance of Piedmont Women's Center at 864-244-1434. It is confidential, loving, and supportive. Career mismatches cause people financial and emotional pain as they struggle to pay their bills and also to find meaning in their lives. The late Larry Burkett recognized this, and for nearly 30 years, Crown Ministries has helped hundreds of thousands of people around the world find, prepare for, and pursue the purpose-filled work God has called them to do. To learn more about how you or someone you love can use biblical wisdom to avoid the financial and emotional pain of a bad career decision, visit careercallings.net slash discover, careercallings.net slash discover. Distracted driving is at an all-time high. Spartanburg Regional Healthcare System wants you to be safe on the road. Take a pledge to put your phone down while driving. Don't meet us by accident. Learn how to protect your family at spartanburgregional.com slash trauma. All right, I'm in studio here today with Dr. Jerome I.I. of Palmetto Proactive Healthcare. Doctor, how do you see Teach Me Morpheus helping your business? For example, I see you for a sinus infection and you realize you forgot to ask me something. Teach Me Morpheus can have one of our videos for sinus infection that you click. You can go through my instructions. We'll basically become a 24-7 resource for our patients. To learn more, check out teachmemorpheus.com, referral code HISRADIO. That's teachmemorpheus.com, referral code HISRADIO. Krista Talk 660. But our lives aren't just measured in years. 
They're measured in the lives of people we touch around us. This feels like my calling and my purpose in life. There's something different about this journey that's more heart connected. Purpose is more than just your core of, of your own self. It's beyond your own identity. Everybody ultimately wants to serve other people. You can have everything in life you want. You'll just help enough other people get what they want. And that little bit of sadness in the mornings you spoke of. Perhaps you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Collins with Robbie Romeiser, 864 381 7649, 864 381 7649, or Robbie at careercallings.net. That's R O B B I E at careercallings.net. Before we resume our dissecting of the book of Nehemiah as it uh, gives us guidance towards uh, a little bit as an aside, but if you are familiar with the story of Nehemiah at all in the Bible, you know that Nehemiah was a very diligent man, and there are plenty of diligent employees in the world. And I ran across this article the other day that just just caught my eye. The title of it was "Researchers Say the Success Syndrome Could Explain Why Your Best Employees Are Quitting," and this is an article from BusinessInsider.com, to which I will link at CareerCallings.net/radio as I link to all the things I referenced to on the uh, the program here. And the gist of the article was basically this. Your best employees attract an enormous amount of work, not only from their bosses, but other employees who want help, guidance, mentoring, advice, will tend to bombard, will tend to bombard your most successful employees with additional work and requests on their time. And eventually this Additional work and requests on their time will cause your best employees to burn out and maybe even quit. Certainly reduce or lower in uh, productivity at, at your company if they don't quit, but they also may just quit and go somewhere else to avoid all that extra pressure. Now, you won't ever have to worry about that if you are a lazy, slothful, good-for-nothing person. And just to illustrate how uh, such products exist to cater to those lazy slothful, good-for-nothing people. I want to share this with you. When you absolutely can't get enough of your sweets, but have the remote in one hand and complete lack of self-respect in the other, the motorized ice cream cone is here to solve all your candy-cloying desires. Designed to delight your inner glutton, replace your repetitive licks with this automated gem. To enjoy this classic dessert, the most you have to do is load the removable dish with ice cream and push the button to B. It's certainly a life-changer. Quit dirtying all your silverware and get self-stirring mugs for your whole household now. The bottom of this mug has a miniature battery-operated propeller that spins at 3,000 RPMs with just the touch of a button. Eliminate your need for stir sticks with your hot chocolate, coffee creamer, and instant drinks with this mug. This mug is lightweight with a stainless steel exterior and includes a heat-retaining lid that doubles as a coaster for complete on-the-go convenience. 
Stop tripping over your own two feet now and own the new Power Lace Auto Lacing System. With the quick activation of a small lever and Power Lace's effective hands-free design, you can just insert your foot and watch as Power Lace takes control. Put your fears of embarrassment behind you with this innovative invention. Just like any toilet seat, Easy Seat guarantees a quick and painless install to solve the bickering and cure the pet peeves in your house. Easy Seat is the new sanitary yet convenient way to please both genders in the bathroom. It's simple. Buy the Easy Seat and women will always find the toilet seat down, and neither gender will ever have to touch the toilet bowl. The decades-old problem is finally solved, and Easy Seat is happy to help. Take advantage of your little one's excitement to explore now by converting them into the perfect household floor cleaner. Raising a baby is hard enough without the added difficulty of keeping your home in order. Be smart and kill two birds with one stone by dressing your gurgling little one in the baby mop and harnessing their worldly curiosity for everyone's good. Made from 100% cotton, this soft and absorbent onesie is quilted with mop fibers to convert your two-year-old into the perfect cleaning machine. Mornings can be a difficult mistress to overcome for many. Start your day right with the Smart Bed, a specially designed time saver for early morning critics that activates three seconds after the last person manages to roll off the bed. To save you a few extra winks, the Smart Bed's mechanical arms extend on each side of the bed to grab, stuff, and make your bed in less than a minute. Invest in your extra 60 seconds today. Now that I'm aware that they make such products to cater to the lazy in the world, I'm thinking about acquiring at least one of each of those items for my own household. Maestro, I wonder if they actually make the baby mop in a teenager size. Um, I wonder if I could why, why would that be? I would wonder if I could actually outfit all three of my teenagers to see if they could clean the floors when they're... Well, actually, I guess that would mean they'd actually have to move off the couch and stop playing video games. That wouldn't work too well. No. Yeah, the babies no. are definitely a lot more prone to, to rummage around and roam around yeah i do have a cat um no. of course the cat is its own mop because <laughs> it's a long hair cat and it does and it does tend to show up for you know show up with all kinds of dust bunnies on top of it from or underneath it from time to time so but i digress from the main purpose of today's program what we're going to get back to here is is Nehemiah. And we were saying before the break that uh, the next step, uh, first comes the burden. If God's calling you to a particular type of work, first of all, he's going to give you a burden for that work that just will not go away. You might want to tell him, no, I don't want to do that, but he's not going to let up on you. It's just going to keep pounding away. Then after that, or uh, after that burden is given by the Lord, he will call you to do something about that issue, that problem, that pain that you see. And he's going to give you a burden to do something about removing that pain from other people. Then next comes engaging in the work. And the first step is to seize the opportunity. Now, what I was saying right before the break is that uh, Nehemiah learned about the issue in Jerusalem in roughly November, December, and actually did not have his conversation with the king asking for permission to go and, and fix the wall until four to five months later. During that time, he was preparing for that opportunity to talk with the king through prayer and fasting. And that's the lesson that before we can actually properly and effectively engage in the work God wants us to do, there's going to be a time of preparation we must be willing to submit to before we get to that point. And that's, uh, you know, that may require going to some sort of school, taking some sort of 
uh, online schooling or, or other higher education. It could include uh, going through some sort of apprenticeship. It could go- include joining some sort of volunteer organization to get some basic skills tied to that calling. That, that preparation can take any number of forms, and certainly, always, it's going to include prayer. Uh, as you uh, ask the Lord to show you how to prepare and give you the power and will to prepare for as long as you need to to engage in that work. Then, once you've prepared and actually get to the place and start doing the work, there's a couple lessons that Nehemiah teaches us about how to go about that work. Um, when Nehemiah got there uh, to Jerusalem, one of the first things he did was survey the work. He he toured Jerusalem at nighttime and took a huge overall survey of the issue, of the need, and then then came up with a plan, an organized plan to attack it. So that's next lesson. Survey the need. Don't just jump into that without work. Take a bird's eye view of it and see what the biggest issue is and how to go about actually attacking it. Then go about attacking it in an organized, systematic way. Now what Nehemiah did was he divided up the people into groups, and each group had to focus on one section of the wall or one gate, and they were supposed to stay focused on that one task until the task got done. I think one of the biggest um, oh lies in our in our world is that you should multitask. Now, don't get me wrong, we all have lots of things to do every day, but multitasking basically means you're doing several things at one time, and, and no one can do... Several things, well, at least no man can do several things at one time. I've seen plenty of ladies who are very good at multitasking, but uh, but basically, at one point in time, you need to stay focused on one task and get it done. Um, some years ago, a friend of mine was in the Navy, and he was tasked with overseeing the retrofitting of an aircraft carrier, and he was one of the few people that ever uh, did the renovation under budget and under the time frame. Everybody else pretty much went over budget and over the time frame allotted to retrofitting the and renovating the aircraft carrier. The main reason he was able to do it is that all the other folks would have their crews working on all six sections of the aircraft carrier at one time. What he did is had all his crews focus on one section at a time. And when they got done with that section, they move on to the next section. And so by keeping everybody focused on one thing at a time, it got done under budget and in less time than his competitors. So that's the power of focus there. And then he, you know, Nehemiah provided leadership and inspiration. The Bible teaches us that the people had a mind to work. Why did they have a mind to work? There was a leader in the shape of Nehemiah who came down from a position of power and prominence, sacrificed his time and his leadership. He got in there and did the work himself with them. And that is going to be necessary to getting a work for God done, is to put in the time, put in the effort, and be humble about it. Now, Whenever you're engaging in God's work, you can expect uh, opposition from the devil. Uh, The book of Nehemiah teaches us several different ways that the devil will attack. He'll attack through ridicule. He'll attack uh, by appealing to your greed. He may try to distract us from God's work by saying, hey, you should do this kind of job because it'll make more money rather than that call that God's given you because it won't make as much money. Well, in God's economy, obeying him and doing his work is a whole lot more valuable than the amount of money you'll get. And uh, there's a couple other things there, too, but the last one I want to make sure we focus on is that at the tail end of Nehemiah, the, uh, the, the folks, Sanballat and Tobiah, who were the big enemies of Nehemiah, had hired some false prophets to encourage or to scare Nehemiah into dropping the repair of the wall and to run into the temple and hide. And Satan will many times use fellow Christians to try to distract you, um, like that case of the false prophet there in 
Nehemiah. Now, a great example of this uh, is in the book of First Kings, First Kings chapter thirteen, I believe it is. Yeah, First Kings chapter thirteen talks about a prophet that was sent by God to the king of Israel at that time, Jeroboam, and uh, delivered a message to that king. That king uh, told him uh, to to stay after the message was delivered and to feast with him. And the prophet said, I can't stay and feast because God told me to leave as soon as I delivered the message. So he's leaving town, and another prophet comes along and says, hey, come in and, and feast with me. And the prophet who was leaving said, I can't do that. God told me to leave as soon as I delivered the message to Jeroboam. And then the prophet said, hey, look, I'm a prophet too. God told me to tell you to come in and, and feast with me. And then so he did, and as soon as he finished eating, God killed that prophet who was supposed to leave. The point is this. If God gives you a call, even if it doesn't make sense to anybody else, it's something you're supposed to do. Even if Satan convinces one of your fellow Christians to tell you not to do it, if God gave you the word, if God gave you the burden, if God gave you the call, you do it anyway. Because God told you to do it, and that word is more important than any word any other fellow Christian could give you. Copy today's program, careercallings.net slash radio. God bless. God bless.